Well, thank you, Mr. James Arrington and Miss Eva. What a beautiful way to begin our time together tonight. And good evening to you, First Jackson family. My name is Reed Stevens, and it is my joy and privilege to be with you tonight as we sort of cap off this Easter Sunday. And I hope it has been a good Easter Sunday for you and for whoever it is that you're with today. And I know that I'm not alone when I say that, well, this has been an Easter unlike any Easter we've ever experienced before, right? I'd be willing to bet that you and your family didn't put a whole lot of emphasis this morning on what you and your kids were going to be wearing to church this morning. And if you're like my dad, you're probably wiping your forehead with a sigh of relief that you didn't have to spend any extra money on clothes. (laughs) You probably didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that family that was going to be coming in to visit and how you were going to entertain them this Easter season. And you probably didn't think a whole lot about that meal you were going to have to prepare or where you were going to have to go out to eat this morning after the Easter service. And I'll be honest and go ahead and tell you that I've missed those things just as much as the next person. I miss not gathering together with lots of my family members to have a big meal and to celebrate Easter together and maybe even go on an Easter egg hunt. I've missed not gathering together as a church family this morning. But although this isn't the way we would have wanted it to be, and this isn't the way that we would have chosen, I think there's a lot of good that can come out of an Easter as unique as this one. Because if you're like me, so often all of those good things we do to celebrate Easter can become minor distractions that take our focus off of the real reason to be excited about Easter. And the real reason to be excited about Easter has not changed. Tonight, as we continue along in our journey through the Psalms, I want to remind you of a simple promise that I think is very applicable in a time such as this. Tonight, I want to remind you of the promise that God is our rock and that he is our rock because of what happened on that Easter Sunday just over 2,000 years ago. And so as we continue along in the journey through the Psalms, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 61. We're going to be looking at parts of chapter 61 and a portion of chapter 62 as well. But as you find your spot there, I just want to say that I've been keeping up with the videos you guys have been posting on Instagram each and every day. And just wanted to say how encouraging those have been to me. You guys have just done a phenomenal job with those as you've worked through the Psalms together. And tonight we find ourselves in Psalm 61 and 62. And before we dive into the text, I want to just go ahead and give you my main point for tonight. It's sort of a a tabletop point, and it's a point of response. And it's this, all throughout our time together tonight, I simply just want to encourage you to look to and lean on the rock. To look to and lean on the rock. And then as we look at the text and as we work through it together, I'm going to give you three reasons why we can look to and lean on the rock. The rock. So with your Bibles open to Psalm chapter 61, let's begin together in verse 1. David writes, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Verse 3. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. The first reason I want to give to you tonight to look to and lean on the rock is that the rock is higher than you. The rock is higher than you. We see that there in verse 2. David prays, God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's the image of a sailor shipwrecked at the bottom of a cliff looking up at this rock that is too high for him to climb. So high, in fact, that it would be impossible for him to make it up that rock on his own. And David is saying here in this text, God, you are that rock. Lead me 
to you, David recognizes just how much higher God is than we are. Church, let's talk for a moment about how much higher our God is than we are. At First Baptist Startville, I serve as an intern in our college ministry and was preaching just a few weeks ago on Proverbs chapter 3. And as you know, in Proverbs chapter 3, we get to that famous verse that we all know and love in verse 5 and 6, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, as I was preaching on that text, I remembered back to earlier in the week when one of our students, she actually shared on Instagram as well, what God had taught her that day in Proverbs chapter 3. And she made a wonderful parallel to Isaiah 55 that I think is just incredibly applicable for us tonight. She said, just because we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding and quickly connected that to Isaiah 55, where God tells Isaiah the prophet, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. And I thought that that was just incredibly applicable for our time together tonight because God is reminding Isaiah how much higher he is than we are. And this isn't meant to be demeaning in any sort of a way. This isn't God looking down on us. This is God simply reminding us that he is in control. What a beautiful promise for us to be clinging to right now in the midst of this global pandemic, that God is in control. And David sees that here in this text and he's praying, God, lead me to you so that I might rest in the promise that you are in control. And so as we think about God being in control, what does that mean for us? Well, God being in control means that no matter what happens, no matter how difficult life gets, we can continue to press on because we know God is in control. God being in control means that no matter what comes our way, we can count it joy in the midst of trial because we know that God is working even this for the good of those who love him. God being in control means that no matter how thin of a thread you find yourself hanging on to tonight, you can keep hanging on because God is in control. I'm reminded of that childhood song we used to always sing. Man, he really does got the whole world in his hands. And David sees that here in this text. David is praying, God, would you lead me to you with the image of the sailor shipwrecked at the bottom of the cliff. Father, lead me up that rock to you so that I might rest in the promise that you are in control. First Jackson, this is the promise that we must rest in tonight. This is the prayer that we should be praying on a regular basis because our God is in fact higher than we are. And so we can look to and lean on the rock because the rock is higher than you. Let's look back at our text and pick up in Psalm chapter 62, beginning in verse one. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. The second reason I want to give to you tonight to look to and lean on the rock is that the rock is your salvation. The rock is your salvation, but pay attention to how David words this here in the text. Look with me again at verse one. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone 
is my rock and my salvation. God, our rock, is in fact our salvation. But hear me when I say that this salvation can only be found in him alone. It's what we celebrate at Easter, Christ alone. It's that doctrine that the reformers called sola Christus, Christ alone. And as we look across in this text, even at verse 6, David would say again, he only is my rock in my salvation. So this salvation that we celebrate is found in Christ alone. And so what does that mean? Well, if you think back with me just one chapter ago to David's prayer in Psalm 61, he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Once again, that image of the sailor shipwrecked at the bottom of the cliff, looking up at this rock too high for him to climb. So high, in fact, that there's no way he would be able to make it up to the top on his own. There was no idea he could come up with. There was no effort that he could will. There was no other person that he could depend upon to get him up that rock. He was totally stranded. He was hopeless and he was helpless. But the good news of the gospel The good news of this psalm, and yes, the good news of Easter that we celebrated this weekend and this morning, is that the same rock who is higher than us is also the rock that became one of us. It's the story of the gospel. That rock that is higher than us entered into this world in the form of a man named Jesus. Jesus was fully man and fully God, and he came to save his people from their sins. And we ask the question, why did he have to do that? Well, scripture would tell us later on that the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. No way for us to have a relationship with the Father. Just like that sailor, because of our sin, we were stranded. We were helpless and we were hopeless. But the next part of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus that doctrine, Christ alone. That the God who's on top of that rock entered into this world and became a man and he went to the cross to pay a punishment that we deserved to pay. Remember the wages of sin is death. Punishment must be rendered for the sin that we committed. It's what we reflected on just a week ago as a church. Why did Jesus have to die? And it's because of our sin. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took with him all of your sin all of your shame, all of your guilt, and he died in your place. He satisfied the wrath that was reserved for you. And then on the third day, as we celebrated this morning, he rose from the grave. He conquered that sin. He conquered that death. And scripture tells us now, he is seated at the right hand of God, ruling over all. And so the good news of Easter that we celebrated this morning is that the God who was resurrected up from the grave, the God who became one of us, ascended back into heaven to take his dominion over us. It's the reminder that he is still in control. He is still higher than you. And yes, he is your salvation. But the apostle Paul would tell us later on in scripture that there's a little responsibility on our part to receive that salvation. He would say that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, yes, God is your salvation, but only if you place your faith in him. And so as we think about that image of the sailor shipwrecked at the bottom of the cliff, looking up at this rock too high for him to climb, 
I want us to think about ourselves. You know, scripture says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We were all at one point that sailor, totally stranded, totally helpless, and totally hopeless. Perhaps some of you tonight still find yourself like that sailor. You've tried everything you know to try. You've worked every job. You've obtained every possession. Matter of fact, you might have even done every good deed you know to do, but you find yourself just slipping off of that rock time and time again. Well, my invitation to you tonight is to simply come to Jesus, to do as David does and go to the rock who is higher than you, to go to the rock that became one of you so that you could have a relationship with the Father. And then some of you listening tonight, you've been, you've been a Christian for quite some time. You've been following the Lord and have been doing this thing called Christianity for a while. Well, I want to encourage you with this. No matter what comes your way, no matter how difficult life might get, I want you to rest in the promise that God is still your salvation. Looking at verse 2, he is still your fortress. And in the midst of change all around, that is never, ever going to change. And we need to be encouraged by that tonight. God, our rock, is higher than us. God, our rock, is our salvation. And so we can look to and lean upon the rock because God, our rock, will never change. And that leads us to our final point tonight, Psalm chapter 62, picking up in verse 7. It says, On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And so when we look at this verse, David sort of reiterates himself there in verse seven, says, on God rests my salvation, my glory. But pay attention to the back part of that verse. It says, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. And so God, the rock is higher than you. God the rock is your salvation if you respond to faith in him. And if you do so, we have the promise tonight that God the rock is your refuge. And so you can look to and lean on the rock. God being our refuge, let's flesh that out just for a minute. God being our refuge means that no matter what comes our way, we can rest in the promise that God is in control. David would use the illustration elsewhere of us resting in the shadow of his wings. What a beautiful thing to picture. Us resting in the perfect arms of a perfect father. God being our refuge means that no matter how difficult life gets, we can count it joy because we know that God is working even this for his good and for his glory. And maybe that's hard for you to imagine. But to trust in God is to trust in his promises. And scripture says that he works all things for the good of those who love him. Resting in the refuge of God means trusting that he's working this for your good and for his glory. And God being our refuge, resting in that promise means that nothing, no, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
Paul would write elsewhere that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither death, nor life, nor rulers, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come. Man, no thing present, no thing to come. That means that there's not a present difficulty and there's not a future fear that can separate you from God's love for you. This is what it looks like to find refuge in God. It looks like being able to sing along with the hymn writer that says, it is well with my soul that no matter what comes our way, we can count it all joy because we know God is in control. We know God is our salvation. We know that God is our refuge. But we must pay attention to something because scripture is clear that this refuge is only for those that have placed their faith in Christ. Paul would say, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the first thing we see there is salvation. As a matter of fact, we even see an interesting sequence here in this text tonight. When you look at Psalm 62 verse 7, it says, on God rest my salvation, my glory. And so the first thing we see is salvation. For the one who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then look at the next part of this verse. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Only after salvation comes the promise that God will be your refuge. But the good news of Easter is that salvation has been accomplished on the cross. All you have to do is simply go to the rock. It's to come to Jesus. And so because God is our salvation, he is our refuge. And so since he is our refuge, what is our response? Well, let's go back to the text. Verse eight, trust in him at all times. It brings us back to that Proverbs chapter three that that Margaret shared with in her devotional on that Wednesday of our Proverb challenge making that wonderful parallel between Proverbs 3 and Isaiah 55. Our response to God being our refuge is to trust in him for his ways are that much higher than our ways. You know, this morning I was reading in my quiet time and was in Psalm chapter 91, and I just couldn't help but share that with you tonight. The chapter title of Psalm 91 is my refuge and my fortress. And I want to read to you verse two from Psalm 91. It says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Our response to God being our refuge is to trust in him. Are you trusting in God? Listen, I know these are difficult times. There's lots of fear, lots of anxiety, there's certainly lots of change. But although our routines have changed, although our work has changed, although even the way we do school has changed, we must continue to trust in God because God will continue to be a refuge for us. In other words, we must continue to look to and lean on the rock. You remember that image of the shipwrecked sailor? stuck at the bottom of that cliff, looking up at the rock, too high for him to climb, totally helpless, totally hopeless. Well, the good news of Easter that we've celebrated all week, the good news of Easter that we celebrated this morning 
is that God, the rock who was higher than you, is the rock who became one of you. He entered into this world and he took your sin. He took your guilt. He took your shame and he took it to the cross. And he died the death we deserved to die. And as we celebrated this morning as a church family, he rose up from the grave. He conquered that sin and made a way for you to have a relationship with the Father. And so now that rock that was too high for you to climb is now a rock that is your refuge. Listen, these last couple of weeks as a church family, you've been led to reflect on a couple of things. Last Sunday, you reflected on why Jesus had to die for you. And we talked about how he died for us to save us from our sins. This morning, we reflected on the resurrection. We celebrated that together as a church family. And I think it's good for us to do the same tonight. Let's reflect on what has not changed in the midst of change. God is still higher than you. God is still your salvation. And yes, if you respond to faith in him, he will still be your refuge. And that is never, ever going to change. So this Easter, will you respond by looking to and leaning on the rock? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together tonight. We thankful for, thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, as we celebrated this morning, we think about the resurrection. We praise you for what you did for us, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I pray for those who are tuned in to this tonight, that they would rest in the promise that you are in control, that they would find salvation in you alone, and that yes, they would rest in the promise that you will continue to be our refuge. Father, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.